course, your home for holy books of all sorts. My name's Nathan, your 11th Commandment host. My name's Andy, your most theologically indefensible host. And I'm Pat, your born-again host. And uh, we have a special guest with us today. We have Julian. He's from my local congregation. He's a graduate of the Cleveland Institute of Music. And he does the music and some of the organization for our local congregation, the Cleveland Heights Church. Welcome, Julian. Ah, thanks. Thanks for having me. Welcome, Julian. Once again, yeah, welcome. Uh, once again, a quality of guest our podcast definitely does not deserve. So <laughs> we appreciate you being here. And finally, one that I didn't have to find. Yeah, well, definitely big, big thanks for coming on with us. Did today. I hear right, Julian, sure. that you... You were your major was violin performance. Uh, yeah. So what? Um, I mean, what? What are your favorite compose? I'm a huge uh, classical music nerd. What? Um, who are your favorite mm-hmm. composers? What was your favorite piece that you ever performed? Was it like a concerto or like? What are your highlights? Yeah, I mean, it's hard to. I mean, kind of your mood determines what your favorite composer is. Fair. At the time. Uh, Bach is always t- at the top of the list. As uh, um, as as Radar would say, Ah, Bach. Ah, Bach. Smile a little bit. Smile. Ah, Bach. That's nice. Very good. It's not bad. Yeah. Yeah, he's kind of in a class all to himself. Mm-hmm. Um, Ravel is usually at the top of the list. Sometimes Tchaikovsky. Tchaikovsky's yeah. violin concerto is one of my all-time favorite pieces for sure. But well, uh, well, have you ever you ever get into Paganini? Uh yeah, so it's wild. <laughs> very yeah, very difficult. Yeah. <laughs> cool. We'll have to ask you at the end of the pod what composer you're into at that moment so we know what mood <laughs> you're walking away from this with. <laughs> and uh I have to say Ju- be Beethoven-y. Yeah, so Julian is uh very talented, I have to say. Uh I've heard him play. Uh he does a variety of instruments. He does the keyboarding, he does a little bit of singing, he does the violin, so um but yeah, I mean he does our church music and he's very good. I play that's the theremin cool. pretty badly. <laughs> oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Pretty badly. <laughs> good well, joke. So um we usually start out the episode with a with a how's your week? Uh how's your guys' weeks been? Anybody can go. Uh, second funeral in two weekends. Pretty fun. Mm, actually, is, no, is it was actually like as as fun as it could have been. We <laughs> uh, it was actually awake. A the there was no actual funeral. We released some butterflies and that was really nice. But Aww. mostly it was my cousins and I all standing in the parking lot trying not to go inside and like just telling jokes to each other. <laughs> my favorite part of it was we were at uh in a, in a really small town and we were at like the order of the eagle and <laughs> the town also has an order of the moose so people <laughs> were like getting confused which animal place it was at so <laughs> but we had some guy who clearly just used this place as a parking lot to go like someplace else in town <laughs> and so he pulls up in the parking lot and like walks up to us and is like whoa Parking lot's pretty full today. What what happened? Somebody die? And <laughs> it was oh, like no. it was like we all like mind melded. My cousins and I and Lexi was standing there too, and we all mind melded and looked at each other and like, yep. 
<laughs> like nailed it. You got it. Got it in one, bud. Oh no. <laughs> Tell him what he's won. <laughs> That's but terrible. no. I mean, as far as wakes go, it was it was fantastic. It was hands down funnest wake I've ever been to. How many wakes so have I'm... you been to? Uh, it's been a while. No. Uh, well, <laughs> a lot. That's a bummer. A lot lately. Did, did I not see on Facebook also that they had to put their cat down as well this week? Hmm. Fun news. And, and more uh, Staples family misery news. Yes. Oh my God. Uh, they had to put their cat it's down. No, no one offense. Of, <laughs> one of their... One of their three cats uh, died a couple of nights ago, and oh, it's man. terrible. Oh, no. Um, and uh, so Kevin, uh, Kevin, my sister-in-law's father, uh, who I've been talking about a lot, his best friend just died, too. So, just, yeah, it's... it's uh, That's terrible. When it rains, it pours. I, I don't oh, know how goodness. you handle it any other way, but, like, laugh about it. So. I mean, th- this is... Jokes. It's this is sort of that level of remember in maybe like June or July of last year when like things should have been slowing down around with COVID and the world just burning apart, but instead uh-huh. it felt like every day there was another dumpster fire exploding <laughs> somewhere like that i like at this point for them this is just going on this is just more of the same isn't it i mean just bam 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 tragedy after tragedy now i, I mean, mean if you more if you have to go now, through but... yeah if you have to go through morning is it better just cram it all in one big uh, bunch <laughs> so that I, way... don't I don't know well anyway um not to not to awkwardly ham handedly transition but um <laughs> my week was pretty good uh so it was memorial day i got to see my mom i'm fully vaxxed now yeah so i got to hug my mom for the first time yeah. in forever um and yeah we we got to like walk down uh by the lake in rocky river there's some like beautiful houses there so we were like kind of like house watching like ooh, you know that one is like right on on the beach and like has a nice backyard like just like (laughs) envious of (laughs) what houses we we would buy um (laughs) down there but um yeah i mean it was just perfect weather it had been really cold and rainy on saturday and it cleared up um and it was just gorgeous on monday and uh we got to like grill out and stuff so it was really great to see her Nice. And yeah, being fully vexed, like yeah. I mean, the world's my oyster now. Like I I went to work and like I wore a mask for people's uh comfort, but like I really didn't have to. Like I have no chance of really spreading. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's a weird feeling to walk around without a mask now. Yeah. Yeah, I um have been out a couple places and uh without and like I'm fully vaccinated, you know, have been for a while. They have a sign out front that says, "If you're fully vaccinated, masks are optional. You're fine." And I'm like, "All right, I'm following the rules. I'm not doing anything wrong." But <laughs> I get such stink eye that I kind of don't like it. 
Yeah, <laughs> it's fine. It, I get it. I understand because no one knows that it's not like I'm walking around with my vaccine card pinned to my shirt or anything. I proposed uh, a face which tattoos. I don't advocate. <laughs> by the way, what Pat? I I proposed. I think on last episode that we we do face tattoos. Oh. You get your vax card. Uh, you get a teardrop tattooed to your forehead, and yeah. so you know everyone can easily see that you are vaccinated. I think it'd <laughs> like be the... really great if, like, just mainstream hipster and like moron people—not moron people, but like mainstream tattoo—it would like start taking prison tattoos and doing like everybody gets. Like teardrops and stuff, all the like, and all the people who actually went to prison are like, I'm so confused. I don't <laughs> right, know. this would have to be the opposite of a teardrop tattoo. It'd be on, it right. to be on the top of your eye, and it had to be something fun. <laughs> I don't know what fun comes out of your eyeball though. Pus? No. <laughs> Some sort of parasite, I guess. I don't know. Anyway. Uh, lasers. Well, so and- Andy and Julian, how was how was your guys' week? Whoever wants to go first. Uh. Julian, would you like to go? Um, let's see. Uh, my weekend was pretty good. Um, yeah, I do also a lot of uh, graphic design, so oh, finishing cool. up a lot of jobs. Um, this weekend, we uh, helped a friend move. Um, last year, our, one of our COVID, my wife and I, one of our COVID hobbies was gardening. So um, we got kind of our garden. They've all been seedlings. So now... Bunch of them have been planted in the ground. Um, my my personal COVID hobby has been woodworking. So um, I uh, probably not that impressive on the outside, but I I had this big log of cherry, and I mostly use hand tools, um, partly because of budget. They're a little bit cheaper. So I uh, had basically sawed this down into a two by four and then dimensioned it by hand. So I at the this weekend I had like a huge board, a two by four, and I was super proud of my two by four. <laughs> so, what are you thinking for that? Are you thinking you're gonna make it into a table or like use it for? Well, I'm in the process of building a workbench. Um, so I'm I'm making the workbench with southern yellow pine and cherry. Ooh. And so for the parts that need a little more rigidity, something a little bit harder, I'm using cherry. So. I have two by fours of, of yellow pine from Home Depot, but um, layering that in with some cherry. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, I love the look of cherry. Mm. Who doesn't? Mm-hmm. For sure, man. Sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, you know, woodworking is something that I've always wanted to be naturally talented at. <laughs> I don't but think that's. <laughs> I think the only people, yeah, people who think they're naturally talented with woodworking. Are definitely missing like three fingers on one hand. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I want to be like good at it, else. but I have zero interest in putting in the work it takes. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, There's some like like therapeutic, mm-hmm. cathartic, you know, just sawing for. Sure. An hour, it's it's you know, uh, like... <laughs> Special Agent Gibbs building boats in his basement. Right. It was yeah, way more like alliterative that. than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> how, how have you been, Andy? Um, I've been all right. Had a weird weekend. Um, let's see. So Saturday we went down to Columbus. No, we went down to Yellow Springs for, um, a friend of mine's baby shower. Um, so that was nice. Got to see a couple friends, 
Um, Sunday. Did you get some AHA pizza? Haha <clears throat> pizza. Haha pizza. Uh, and no, we we were only there for like two hours. Hmm. We spent about that is more than enough time to make a pizza. Well, we could have, but no. Uh, we did not. We were, we were doing <laughs> baby we showers. So. Yeah, it, we didn't know that we were going to have time to go into town. It was actually at John Bryan State Park, which is just outside the Yellow Springs. We ended up with enough time to swing through Young's Dairy, though. Fine, so, that's cool. Yeah. Um, but then, um, so then Sunday was pretty chill. Monday, so I was dog sitting, and in their backyard. They had like this little baby gate penned up, um, where there were some baby rabbits in the yard, uh, that they were trying Cute. to keep safe from the dogs. But on Monday, uh, I guess I don't know, I was inside at the time, but the dogs knocked over the baby gate and they got the baby oh, no. bunnies, and it was. Hmm disturbing and i'm gonna kind of fast forward a little bit but like oh my gosh it was snack time and oh no yeah wow not really like if you decide to take some of that out event like i'm okay with it it was it was troubling (laughs) i am still sort of a little bit like queasy thinking about it (laughs) You know how we beep out swear words? I'm just going to beep out, like, the last 90 seconds of the podcast. <laughs> oh, no. Perfect. Um, so, like, uh, so that was kind of, uh, I, had to, I, had to, I had to deal with that. I had to basically go, I don't know, how, should I stop? Should I move on to the next part of the weekend? Or would you like the next gory detail of that story? Of Well, you cleaned up. Is that what, what you had to do? I had to clean up using a pooper scooper. Yikes. So many details the audience does not need. Right. It was well this is this has been joyful. It was rough. So So listen, like, this is things to consider when getting a dog. Um, (laughs) especially if you have kids and there are bunnies near your house. Um Maybe put the bunnies in like a metal (laughs) fence. Yeah. Um, I mean this has been an ongoing issue for this house and like it's happened in years past. it's not the first time I've had to deal with it there, but it was just kind of especially (sighs) think Anakin at the Jedi Temple. Slaughtering (laughs) younglings. Yeah. Master Skywalker, there are too many of them. What are we going to do? So anyway, uh, then Tuesday, yesterday, um, after work and stuff, Caitlin and I got to go on a date. We went out to, I took her out to the movies. It was our first time going out to the movies in a long, long time. We went to see Cruella. It was fantastic. I highly recommend it. It made Mm -hmm. me want to watch 101 Dalmatians. That's Emma Stone, right? Yeah. Yeah, she's pretty good. She was great. She crushed it. Um, And so, yeah, it was phenomenal. Excellent movie. Um, Well, so we're we're doing some uh, pretty, I guess, sensitive or maybe not (laughs) subjects today. 
Um, we're we're talking about. I guess that's the end of my. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Like <laughs> sensitive, like dogs eating baby bunnies. Um, I'm sorry. Did did you have more? No, uh, I don't think so. Um, I hope not. No, that <laughs> we're was cutting you off, and then I Andy, got... we're cutting you off one way or another. <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. So today we're talking about the uh, the influence of religion on modern society. Is that fair to say? Um, like what, what is religion doing today? What's it done in the past? And, uh, do you think that's good or that's bad? Do you think that fa- fairly sums up what we're talking about? I think that's fair. I, th- I, think, I think that think opens maybe... the topic. <laughs> like right. it's a good opening question. <laughs> I feel like we're all coming at this from a slightly different angle slash drastically different angle Yeah, and I for think some of us. St- let's start there. But we, but we did want to start with um, just, like, some ground rules. Like, we're all friends here. Um, I know you guys just met Julian, but um, Julian and me, uh, it's a sacred part of our religion to suffer for Christ. So we can, <laughs> we can take our lumps today. You know, if, if, what, if what we're doing is defending the gospel... Um, you know, I, I think that, uh, whatever that just like increases our reward in heaven. Right, Julian. So <laughs> sure. So well, I think, um, I think that's fine. As long as you guys didn't like, I don't know, get together earlier for some sort of strategy session or something like as long as you're coming at it fresh, I think that's <laughs> totally fine. <laughs> no, uh, we got some Bible verses together. I was talking <laughs> to Julian earlier. We, we wanted to be a little bit prepared. I mean, it no, looks like I think Andy's that's great. Been preparing for this for months, so oh, uh, his whole I, years, I think one day, years, is yeah. uh, fair game, right? Um, yeah, I, I would say I've been preparing for this for a lot longer than that. Um, I can, I, th- I think for me, my goal is certainly not to. I, I have my beef with religion. I have very little beef with good religious people. Mm-hmm. I, I like that. My goal is not to attack people of faith. Um, so like take that <laughs> how it will. Um, I think I, I definitely land on the agnostic side of things. So I think it's going to be, you guys are going to have an ally sometimes. Andy's going to have an ally sometimes, and I'm just going to be off doing my own thing sometimes. So we'll, we'll see how it goes. I'm going to be the X factor in this episode. <laughs> well, no one... I'm, I'm here to convert the uh, the heathens and <laughs> the pagans. <laughs> so we're we're trying to get the gospel out and spread the good word of the Lord. I can't. So your video is I'm off, at. and I can't tell if you're joking. <laughs> I'm, I'm, um, no, I'm, I'm dead being pants serious. Here. There's there is one thing Are I like. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> one, one thing that. Um, we do at the beginning of a lot of uh, Unitarian meetings that I'm part of is we come up with a covenant with each other. And I don't think we need to go through all that. But one thing I always like to bring up at the beginning of those meetings is the phrase, assume goodwill. So if I'm saying something and I have like touched a nerve or something that like, please let me know. Um, I, it doesn't mean like, I will be more than happy to apologize for the the offensive thing. I may still believe the offensive thing, but but I will feel bad that I made you feel bad. Um, <laughs> but nobody's nobody's coming out of malice, is what you're saying. Right, exactly. My yeah. my goal here is for us to all be friends. I think 
Julian, you seem like a cool guy. Maybe we'll be friends at the end of this, too. I, I look forward to that. Um, but if we can all assume goodwill and, like, none of us are trying to be uh, here um, to the other people. So also we swear on the podcast. So and I will tell you, I looked really hard. There's nothing in the Bible that says you can't swear. So go to town if you want. I I don't <laughs> know about that actually, but nothing, not anything in the whole Bible. I checked. Okay. Yeah, new F. new inter, new international mm. and King James. Hmm. My um. So if so, regarding like goals in this conversation, I, I mean, and 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 sort of getting some sense of a frame of where I'm coming from. Um. So I was. Do we want to do like the whole like how we're raised and all that in here in here right now? Yeah. Throw it all in. Go for it. Go for it. All right. So <laughs> when I was a baby, no. Um, when, when I was a wee lad, a wee lad. Um, so so I was raised uh, Unitarian Universalist. My mother was raised Catholic. My father was raised Jehovah's Witness. Both of them had left those religions and didn't really go looking for anything new until they were pregnant with me and knew that they wanted to include some degree of religious education in my upbringing but they knew that they were not um I mean, they they tried a bunch of different churches and stuff but they event um but what they settled on was the unitarian universalist church and part of the reason for that is that it takes a different kind of approach. It takes a a more <laughs> academic approach to religion. Um, throughout the like the 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 RE program involved studying every world religion. We studied Christianity, Judaism, Islam, Hinduism, Buddhism. Um, we studied kind of some of the smaller more like tribal religions we started studied ancient mythology and ancient religions we studied um all of that stuff and then we were encouraged to come up with our own perspective to to state our own perspective i should say um to the congregation both in eighth grade and again in 12th grade and interestingly enough I didn't really start studying and getting interested in world religions until my, like, mid-twenties in a more serious way. Um, it was, that was just something that, like, my parents made me do it. So, yeah. you know, I mean, I liked everyone there. I was very close with, with everyone there. And I had, you know, it was a great community. It was one of my um, prominent, like, communities as a youth. Um, right. I was involved in the youth group, but I was agnostic uh, to to atheist. I varied in there, you know, depending on my mood, I guess. I was a moody teen. Um, <laughs> now I'm all? a moody adult, so, you know. Uh, a if I got better sleep, that would help. But, um, so, at any rate, um, I've been fairly consistent throughout my entire life. Um... But in my early 20s, I did spend about two and a half years in AA. And as a lot of people know, that there is a certain kind of religious 
tilt to that. And I did take, I did lean a little bit more open to the possibility, kind of, <laughs> I oh, guess. God. But uh, during that time, um, not that I was ever like, Christian or even religious or, or I, but I was just less, I pushed less against it. It softened me a little bit. You know, I, I, I felt more like, again, I, I understand like why, why people gravitate towards it. Mm-hmm. Um, after that, I got into, you know, a little bit later, a few years after that, I, st- I got into um, some uh, some authors that I have brought up on this podcast before. Sam Harris being one of them, um, but the the guys are well, the main four guys are referred to as the four horsemen of the atheist apocalypse, which I think is an obnoxiously juvenile thing to call themselves. I don't know if they it's, came it's up Harris, with it. It's Harris Dawkins. Fact check, fact check, fact check. And welcome back to Fact Check. The four horsemen of the atheist apocalypse are Richard Dawkins, a British ethologist, evolutionary biologist, and author, Sam Harris, an American author, philosopher, neuroscientist, and most importantly, podcast host, Daniel Dennett, an American philosopher, writer, and cognitive scientist, and the late Christopher Hitchens, an English American socio political critic, public intellectual, author, journalist, orator, and columnist. There's a link to the whole conversation in the doobly-doo, but here's a short snippet. Well, am I going to be rude, or am I going to articulate this criticism? I mean, am I going to articulate it, or am I I just going to button my lip? Right. Well, that's what it is to trespass a taboo. I think we're we're all encountering the fact that that religion is is held... off the table of rational yep. criticism in, in some kind of formal way, even by we're discovering our fellow secularists yep. and our fellow atheists. You know, just leave people to their own superstition, even if it's yep. uh, abject and causing harm. I don't look too closely at it. Now that that was, of course, the the point of the title of my book: is there is this spell, and we got to break it. But if the charge of um, offensiveness in general is to be allowed in public discourse, then Without self-pity, I think we should say that we too can be offended and insulted. I mean, I, I'm not just uh, in disagreement when someone like Tariq Ramadan, mm. accepted now at the high tables of Oxford University as a spokesman, says the most he'll demand when it comes to the stoning of women is a moratorium on it. I find that profoundly much more than annoying. Anyway, let's get back to the show. Back check, And these four guys, so it all started. It started with this conversation that they had on uh, at some. They were speaking together at some event, and and uh, they just had this whole conversation that like supposedly sparked a atheist revolution. And here's the thing, I think atheism even is just a little bit. It's too certain for me. Certainty bothers mm. me, and this is at the core of almost everything, <laughs> uh, you know, from government to religion to everything, everything. Being certain about something raises my hackles. Sure. Um, 
And so being certain about there being a God is as concerning as being certain that there isn't one. Because as far as I know, there's nothing conclusive either way. You're, you are stepping beyond the bounds of what, you know, what at least you're taking a leap of faith, so to speak, somewhere along the line. I don't like that term. Um, it's tied up with a lot of like gross sentiments, I think, but like, so anyway, that's how I come at this is I'm, I'm just a, I'm a, uh, at my core, a doubter of, of, I, I'm, I'm not ready to be certain about anything unless there is like, I still am like, yeah, I guess evolution could be wrong. Gravity could be different in other places. Like, um, there's, yeah. Nothing can you, be certain. I don't. I, I'm not even certain that I exist. You feel me? Hmm. Like that's where I come at this from. We, we could. We could be in the simulation, <laughs> or, or or who right. knows what? You know. So this, they explained all of this at the end of the first Men in Black with the cat <laughs> with Jupiter's belt around its yeah. neck. Right. Right. Exactly. I, yeah. So anyway, um, that's kind of where I'm, where I come at, where I'm coming at this. And in terms of like my goals from this conversation today, um, I very much am not here to to um, with any malicious intent. I'm here to share my perspective, and I have absolutely no delusions about uh, converting anyone. To, to think what I think because this is what I think and I've come to it from my own like biology and life experiences right so everyone each human is unique and so their perspective will reflect that but I'm here to share mine in the hopes that maybe it broadens some horizons maybe out there one way or the other whether that pushes you towards or away from any sort of religion I don't really care I mean I do care but I don't well, so I, I specifically asked Julian to come on, so I don't know that he particularly has goals in that same way, but I don't know. <laughs> did you did you have anything in mind, Julian? Re regarding my upbringing or goals or all of the above? Well, both, yeah. All of the above. Um, I can start with my upbringing. Sure. Um, so I was raised Christian, and you know I was like a pretty goody-two-shoes kind of thing. Uh, you know, I was, we went to church. I tried to know all of the Bible answers. Uh, I, you know, if we were playing like a Bible trivia game, pe people wanted me on their team. <laughs> Other than that, they did not want me on their team. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm a rule follow. I'm a firstborn also. So like rule following is like in my blood. Hmm. Um, and so I was baptized at our church when I was maybe 12. Um, 
And I kind of did that whole thing through high school, got to college, and I had a lot of uh, Christian friends when I was at college. I started at Southern Methodist University and then transferred to Cleveland uh, CIM later. But I don't know. There was definitely a moment where I realized I was going through motions and there was less substance behind the motions. And so, you know, I, I sort of noticed like I would try to find Bible verses so that I could tell my friends about the Bible verse that I read, hmm. you know, for example. Um, and so I started getting pretty disillusioned with following God and doing all this stuff because there just wasn't as much substance behind it all. And uh, ironically, like I started praying a lot about it, which I don't know, maybe. Uh, anyway, so I started and then I don't know, I had like a moment and I had like a few specific, like one section uh, of the Bible that kind of came alive. And then I realized, um, yeah, and if you want me to sh share that that bit of the verses I can but sure anyway so I, th I um, think I mean yeah, now or, or later at some point though we're gonna hear them yeah <laughs> sure I'm, I'm, yeah yeah that's what we're here for cool so um it was a section from John 4 and I'll I'll try to uh summarize a lot of the story so this is Jesus is in Samaria and he stops at this well and Samaria, the historical context, um, basically they're half Jews. They're like mixed Jews. So they really do not get along with the real Jews. The, the Jews basically think like they're scum in, in a sense. So they don't mix, but he has stopped in Samaria. He stops at this well. It's like the middle of the day. And then this woman comes and gets water. And he starts talking to her and he basically says, give me a drink. And then she's like, well, uh, I'm a Samaritan and you're a Jew. So why are you asking me for a drink? And anyway, he goes on with this whole conversation and everything that he says is totally like almost out of left field um, that in response to her questions. But so she says, Okay, you're a Jew, I'm a Samaritan, what's going on here? Then he says, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that gives you that says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. So I had probably read this section like tons of times, but for some reason, whatever, in my sophomore year of college, like this kind of came alive. The gift of God. And I realized like I had never thought about this as being a gift and it was just following rules finding the right bible verses trying to not sin a lot and so it was a gift of god like something god actually like wanted me to have he wanted to give it to me so then i uh so then later on he also says uh he talks about water because they're at this well and he says, everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him shall never thirst, but the water that I will give him will become in him a well of water springing up to eternal life. 
So, and then when I read that, also I was like, again, for some reason, after the hundredth time, this particular time, it hit me uh, that the life I have been living really kind of sucks. And, you know, that's when he says, everyone who drinks this water will thirst again. So we're all trying to like fill something up in our life. And in her case, she had had like five husbands, you learn later. Um, and so maybe she was looking for satisfaction in love. You know, I, I had maybe been looking for it in uh, ironically religion <laughs> and in like following all the right rules, doing all this stuff. Um, but Jesus is looking to give something different. He's looking to give just eternal life. And so from that moment, I was like, okay, this is what I want. I don't want religion or all the rules. I want this living water. I want this kind of eternal life. So uh, from that moment, I think that definitely, maybe from the outset, like my life might not have looked too different, like my high school years versus my post-college years. Um, but definitely there's a lot more substance after that experience than before that experience. Um, and then, so for me, God became something much more real and uh, kind of a person and more of a relationship. Um, so that changed yeah, your perspective so that, on, on like the whole thing. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. And so I was chasing a person then rather than a religion. Um, so I don't know, my goal, uh, if I had a goal today, I would be, um, I'm a little bit with maybe Andy or some of the other people where I'm not a huge fan of religion in that religion has done a lot of things. I am a very religious person. Um, <laughs> um, so I would, my goal would more be like, uh, putting the possibility that God might be real. Hmm. Okay. Well, I mean, if we're doing, if we're doing background stories, I don't know, like my, I've, I've been, um, back and forth on religion for a long time. We, we did attend church when I was a kid. Um, and I liked it, but, um, you know, I didn't feel like this strong connection to it for a long time. For many years, I like felt like something was missing like um there wasn't this presence or there wasn't like this purpose to the universe and um actually like i had some pretty dark years um like being really atheist uh like telling a lot of my friends and family like about how it didn't make sense for there to be a god um I remember one time we were at like a flea market and they were like bringing in people and like uh, saving them, like reading Bible verses. And like um, I acted like I was because I was with my friends. I acted like I was going to go into this tent and like be saved and stuff. And then I like turned around and ran away. Like um, like to me, I always felt like there was a real thing out there. I just didn't know how to connect to it. And then um like sometime later, uh, I just was like getting back into the word, like looking, I was on this quest of like looking for something 
and um like i just felt the presence of god in the words of the bible and i was like whoa this is like a real thing um i was always looking for like a real thing to sink my teeth into and so that kind of is how i arrived here and i i feel it when i'm in church too like i mean we do the the singing and the reading of the word and like people preaching um like i feel like god is there um i don't know why that's different from when i was growing up as a kid but um now i now i feel like you know when when two people are gathered i am there is what jesus says and like i believe that to be true so um so my goal so my goal in this is like you know i would like to get the word out there that there's like um there's real stuff that you can get out of this that um it's it's something that can change the whole direction of your life it's something that can like pick you up and give you eternal life <laughs> even though like i mean my my nickname in high school was actually satan um <laughs> you know it can pick up a person like me and elevate them to uh you know being a, an acceptable person in the eyes of god like i mean i've done some pretty pretty bad stuff but well amazing uh, amazing grace yeah i mean mm -hmm. you know god can pick up anybody and uh as long as they have faith in jesus like he's he's really my in you know so uh i mean i'm not gonna go too far into it i mean i grew up from the time i can remember i can uh i grew up unitarian because my parents wanted to give us some religion but they they were of two different religions um and i it it made things a little rough because you you grew up in this uh, religion, it, like, spoiler alert, that's where Andy and I met way back when, um, at a Unitarian summer camp, but, uh, when you, when you go to a religion that you imperfectly think of as, well, you can believe in anything you want, and you try and describe it to other people, it sounds ludicrous, and it doesn't sound like a religion, so the kids make fun of you and that was a big part of my childhood i mean i got bullied for i would say up up through high school junior high was the worst not that like getting bullied in junior high is anything unique for like most people but uh it, it was a rough time and so like i like and i gave it a shot when i was growing up i actually went to a christian church with a friend i went to bible study i like I kept on going until they ambushed me and without telling me converted me <laughs> one at <laughs> one point at one point the uh this guy and he he wasn't a teenager but he didn't seem like an adult he must have been like 19 20 he was like hey nathan he did the whole like turned his chair around backwards thing to make it look cool or whatever <laughs> and it was like hey nathan would you like to be able to talk to jesus christ anytime you want and i was like sure i guess that's that sounds fun <laughs> i was at like like i had gone to a lock-in with my friend or whatever and he was like cool and then like sat down and was like all right you're a christian now like what what did you just do <laughs> and so <laughs> I, said I the magic words 
I, I dressed up in a tie and went the next... <laughs> I dressed up in a tie and I went the next Sunday and got the bell rung for me and never went back. Because yeah. it's just like, it's just like, it sucks to do that to a kid. And like, if he had come at it a different way, maybe, maybe it would have been different. But I, I was also like, I was just trying to hang out with my friend, mm-hmm. but I was trying to take in, like, I was, I was a Unitarian and part of, Andy talked about it earlier. Part of our upbringing, our religious education is we take in different religions and take from those religions what, what we will. And so mm-hmm. some people, like, some people learning these different religions leave Unitarianism and go become that other religion. So, like, they had an honest chance of, <laughs> of converting me, and, like, they went a different way with it. And so I ended up getting bullied a lot. It Like, it became less and less so as I went into high school. Or maybe it wasn't that I got bullied less. It was just that I gave less of a crap about it. <laughs> like, I was – I had enough uh, – I had enough uh, ego at that point. Like, you know, that fake it till you make it sort of attitude. Mm-hmm. Like, I felt like, sure, you can you can bully me and maybe it'll hurt inside, but my face is going to keep a smile on it. <laughs> so, it's like, it, so I, I grew up Unitarian and my sister is gay and has, like, I was the first person in the family that she came out to and... Like, a lot of my experience, especially with Christianity, involved them spreading hate. And that sucked. And that was when they they lost mm. me forever. And, like, they lost me through – like, it, I think it, I've certainly met plenty of people who follow the Bible who also love their gay family members and friends and things like that. But I also think you can't do that and follow the Bible as written. And that that's rough. So well, that's that's tough. Do you, we do you want to tackle that <laughs> that nugget? Because well, um, well, okay. I mean, but yeah, I, I think I that co- that mostly covers my upbringing. I'm still Unitarian to this day. It means a lot to me. But I am firmly in the agnostic camp of like no, <laughs> like I yeah. I have a lot of deeply held beliefs, but I would say that there isn't. There isn't a lot that I'm not willing to be flexible on. Is it? Uh, could you just outline like Unitarianism? Certainly. Me? So the the big thing about it is it is uh, it is a shared faith without necessarily we we don't have commandments, for example. So there's mm-hmm. there's nothing saying we have seven uh, principles and they say hey these are, these are good ways to live respect each other respect the earth. Um, uh, respect the like inherent web that we're all a part of. What unites us are our core principles that uphold seven real-world values. Believing in the worthiness of every person. Showing compassion and fairness. Accepting others for who they are. Growing through a personal search for truth. Leading with democratic spirit. Working for justice. And understanding that everything is interconnected these these seven principles sort of give you like a a basic idea but there's nobody standing over your shoulder saying like if you don't do this you're going to hell or like if you don't do this you're out of the like we're kicking you out of the church um unitarianism a big part of our faith is social action so 
we are a big part of the civil rights movement. Um, we are, were a big part and con continue to be a big part of uh, the LGBT movement, uh, of the Black Lives Matter movement. We uh, are like working a lot with uh, immigrant rights right now. Um, that is all very important. But the idea is that you come and you share this worship space together, but you don't all share the same belief. And you're like that belief is not expected to stay static throughout your life. It can change and warp and like interacting with these other people that you come to church with may change your belief. It's interesting. I mean, there, my mentor when I was in uh, high school was a Jewish and also a Unitarian. So if I can hop in the uh, the history a little bit of Unitarian Universalism, it's like two different things. There's Unitarianism yes. and Universalism, <laughs> and, and they came together for tax reasons. So that's that's a fun way to that's a fun way <laughs> um, to start a religion. So Universalist <laughs> is, uh, I think, loosely like the belief that everyone goes to heaven. Universal right? salvation, yes. Yeah, universal salvation, and then uh, Unitarian is that. Like one god one every yeah one god everyone who worships a god is all worshiping a different aspect of the same god it's all one guy right so um <laughs> but the fun thing, thing about that is yeah the fun thing about that is it doesn't necessarily apply to everybody anymore because uh for example um i had a minister for a long time who was an atheist sure mm -hmm. so like if, if if that gives you an idea of and he he was still like studied spirituality every day of his life and still does and can could talk about some of the intellectual pieces of the religion and things like that but like unitarians we take all comers like everybody well i know it's maybe a little late in the episode but i i want to get into the like quote unquote meat and potatoes let's I know do it we're already doing meat and potatoes but um so <laughs> Uh, for a long time, like me and Andy were going back and forth on this discord conversation, like in, in the preparation for this episode. And there were like a lot of grievances that Andy had that I do understand, um, against what we would call like organized religion or like institutional religion. Yeah. And I was trying to say that, um, like my thesis statement was basically that the, society that you know today would look very different if we didn't have the ten commandments that um like the moral foundation of our society of like you know you're not allowed to murder you're not allowed to steal you're not allowed to rape that a lot of these things come from the same like judeo-christian values and it's like a fish in the ocean wondering where's water right like, what is water well to be um just to be clear here you are allowed to rape that's not one of them uh that's one of the commandments no i don't believe so uh the first uh, we'll have to the fact first check four that, but... are <laughs> as <laughs> and all right so i'm gonna bar i'm gonna borrow a phrase from christopher hitchens because i just love the way he is He's snarky, though. He's a snarky Brit. And so it's take it with a grain of salt. But he refers to the first four commandments as a prolonged throat clearing. Uh, it's all about how and when to worship God are the first four commandments. 
So you could take it as an interpretation of of adultery, but um, no, it's it's not in the Ten Commandments of Thou shalt not rape. Fair enough. Um, but anyway, I was trying to get to your your kind of thesis statement, Andy. I don't know if you want to want to elaborate, but like, what what is your take on like the influence of religion on morality and where where religion sits today on morality? <laughs> Ooh. I mean, a question like that. Uh, there's <laughs> I'm so sorry. If, no, it's if like you want to back so off much. and just <laughs> so like, all right. Here's the thing. All right, I want to. I want to. First of all, I want to be very clear because I kind of mentioned this earlier, but I want to again iter- reiterate, and I'm probably going to say it again later. I do not want to come after anybody's beliefs. What mm-hmm. you believe, your relationship with your higher power or whatever you want to you know god or you know as far as listeners whatever you want to refer to it as i'm not here to disrupt that um what i what i'm what i'm coming after today and 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 (laughs) please stop me if i do because that's not the fight i want to do today i'm not here to (laughs) that that fight is next week. <laughs> yeah, we're scheduling the cage match. I don't. That one's a tricky one because, again, anyway. So that's different. Um, the what what has religion done to the world? So I think my position, my take here is, I want to be clear up front that in no way, shape, or form am I claiming that religion has had no positive impacts on the world. That would be a stupid thing to say, because we have all this beautiful art, uh, music, stained glass, and architecture. Uh, We have wonderful sets of varied mythologies from all across the world that are really wonderful, uh, you know, vectors to instruct on morality through. Mm Mm-hmm. From Aesop's fables to Anansi, we did this, the Origins Myth episode, where we referred to a lot of these. But, like, there's all sorts of great stories there. Um, so I think that there's there's a lot of... Um, <laughs> there's uh, the technological advances that came with religious warfare. And I'm not saying that... I'm, I mean, it's a little <laughs> bit snarky, but it's also genuine. Like, a little bit of both. If I wow. if I can, where like, I don't want to take credit for that one, but okay. Well, but um, things like um, horse horsemanship and and um, like uh, developments in uh, weapons and and um, tools like wheels and chariots came because of warfare, and then later benefited humanity in other ways. So like. There's not, what I'm saying is nothing is cut and dry here, right? There's good and bad to everything, even one individual aspect, there's good and bad parts to it. So I'm not here to say that religion has contributed nothing good to the world. What I am kind of saying is, what I, not kind of, what I am saying is that, um, or here to argue, is that um, overall, especially at this point in our technological advances, the way that religion, big R religion, right? Um, 
exists in our world is almost only harmful. It's got mm. a few positives where there's people who find that and can like turn their lives around where they were spiraling down and you know what I mean? Like that's great. Yeah. And I do not want to take away from that sort of thing at all because that is all over the place. And I, you know, if that's a, a, a ladder for people to climb up with cool, I'm, I'm, I respect that, but The way that religion is instituted in our society right now, in large mass-produced religion structures, um, televangelism, uh, you've uh, uh, there's um, the the in-group out-groupness of it, um, where like where you know people religious people living in certain areas butting up against other types of religious people living in next door areas are still today in 2021 engaging in violent conflict and while it's not entirely religious it is absolutely Rooted. significantly religious like that's a big part of it yeah. no matter which way you cut it um, right. There's definitely other things at play, again, right? We're, there's nuances to all of this. But um, there's no, there's, there, there is a better way to be religious than to hmm. be in a religion. Huh. I, yeah, I don't know that was, I majorly I'm, disagree with that on any points. Wow. I'm proud of that one. That was a catchy little phrase that actually kind of worked. It's probably going to get torn apart <laughs> soon, but I, I, I thought that that came out way better than I could have hoped, that, that little bit at the end at least. Most of the rest was just rambling. <laughs> there's there's was, better ways to be religious than to be in a religion. Mm -hmm. it, was, it was very interesting because it was mostly you like having to think out the next sentence you're going to say so that you weren't offensive like you like it was really like it was really interesting watching you do those like verbal gymnastics and I, I am trying to it. be diplomatic um yes, sure because I, think, I don't want to be disrespectful that's just not the kind of person i am um i think that we can have a conversation about all the problems and find ways to solve them or i can yell at people about problems and we all just get pissed <laughs> off which i have no interest in I'm not sure that's particularly effective. <laughs> that's We're going to solve the world around. today, guys. Anyway. so um, <laughs> Nice. We got it. Okay. Anyway. <clears throat> rant. Uh, ramble over. That's all, folks. Um, I mean, I want to say first off the bat, like, I don't majorly disagree with a lot of those things. Like, I think that most religious wars are pretty unjustified but i would also add i would say that like religious war is really not even allowed in the bible you're supposed to forgive your enemies you're supposed to turn the other cheek i in my view i think anyone who's taking up arms and going to kill someone else over religion is just always wrong like i think if you looked closely enough at your book you would realize that that's never what you're supposed to be doing. 
Ooh, hot take. I don't know if anyone else has thoughts on that. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I would agree. Uh, I'm I'm curious what um, what being religious. Wait, I can't remember your catchphrase. Uh, there are better ways <laughs> to religious... be religious than to be in a religion. Yeah, I, I'd be interested in uh, knowing some examples of what that looks like. Well, um, so how about me? I am a person who found the Unitarian Universalists to be a little too organized for my taste. Um, now, hmm. eh, that's not that's that's not the main reason why I stepped away from from my church. It had more to do with the specific congregation, and I actually have been thinking lately about making my way back to it. Um, but because I do have a I have a spiritual practice that I maintain in a number of ways, um, and by spiritual, what I mean is things that I do that make me feel whole. Yeah. Um, so what the kind of things like, um, meditate, uh, I, I eh, go through phases anyway, but, um, I try to keep up a, 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 a light meditation practice. Um, if I can jump in, like, I mean, I, I don't necessarily like in, uh, institutions and structures particularly either. I find it very rewarding to have like a personal faith and like I'll pray and like I'll feel better about like going into dangerous situations like driving in the snow. I told you guys about a story this yeah, winter I remember where that. like there was a life-threatening car crash that happened in front of me and like I had been just in the middle of praying and asking God to keep me safe and I was able to like swerve right around and then i like immediately called uh you know the the authorities to try and help out the person who had crashed and i looked it up later that guy was fine the person that nice. crashed into him was fine mm. which is good yeah um, wait can i but, can like, i ask real quick uh did jesus take the wheel uh no <laughs> i took nice. the wheel but um you All know right. i like to think that jesus was helping me out you know that um my ability to respond to it was definitely enhanced by uh by being immediately in the act of praying yeah but mine was a bumper sticker yours was a bumper. yours doesn't, yours doesn't roll off the tongue at all <laughs> the point of that was just that like i get a lot out of my personal relationship with jesus my personal relationship with god stuff that's like you know top down authorities um telling you what to do like the church as it exists in the world there are churches that i like there are churches that mm, I don't necessarily agree with all of what they do. Um, but, like, that personal relationship with God, I think, is, like, great. Yeah. I mean, Andy, I know this wrecks your uh, cool statement that you can be re religious without being part of religion. But I think I would rephrase it to you can be spiritual you can have spirituality with being part of without being a part of religion because i think of being religious as following like sort of the specific beliefs and pa pa yeah. practices of a specific specific religion whereas spirituality is more like having a sense of purpose and peace and just being a whole person yeah but that's not as catchy 
it does not roll off the tongue. The other thing I would say is, like, certainly for uh, Julian and Pat, but for everybody, like, I don't expect you guys to represent every person who believes in the Bible. You, oh no, you we're re- we're representing all of Christianity, <laughs> okay. just so you know. Um, <laughs> that makes that's it our, way that's our responsibility. We're uh-huh. we're bearing the cross for this. So, I think um, you know something that I used to do that would make me feel um, kind of help me see the order of the universe in a sense, if that maybe works as a phrase. Um, by doing, solving mathematical proofs. I'm a math geek. Andrew, the math magician. I used to be way more, I used to do math in my spare time, just like for whatever, because it was therapeutic even to do like, um, trick identities and like solving these mathematical puzzles because there's an order and it makes sense and there's a logic and it follows. I can go from point A to point B and never, you know, everything is true. There's a, like a deep trueness to that. That sounds like Spinoza. Um, Spinoza is a great topic maybe for another day. I did not prepare to talk about Spinoza, but I would very much love to because uh, I'm fascinated by his work. But well, let's let's do an episode on that, but maybe not this one. But um, so anyway, like that's an example of I think of of finding a a spirituality that was a spiritual kind of thing for me. That was that was experiencing a universal truth. Hmm. Well, hmm. okay. But what you're describing, Andy, I don't, I mean, I don't think that's religion. I mean, because. No, it's absolutely not. That's my point. I think, and it doesn't mean you can't get something like deeply personal and useful out of that. That's my point. Yeah. Like, faith is entirely different than that. And I think where I, (laughs) it's, it's hard to, for someone who uh, holds logic and fact to be like so important and i would say like it's sort of the bread and butter of our podcast (laughs) because we literally have fact checks that like the faith is not as easy easily quantifiable and i've got some of it i don't think i have a lot um but i i (laughs) okay no but I respect people who do. I, I deeply respect people who have lots of faith, as long as they can separate that faith from fact and not, you know, design laws around their faith, for example. <laughs> and I think, I mean, I have no idea, Julie, in your perspective on that one, but I know Pat has said many times that, like, no matter how deeply held his religious belief is, that it's not something that a law should be based on. And, you know, that's, I think, that's a big, important step. But also, I think that's a, that's also a simultaneous step away from commitment to the word of God, isn't it? Hmm. Which, what is? So, um, so, here's, there's this 
dilemma that I am an outsider to, but I perceive this thing, and I wonder if it's something that even crosses your guys' minds and or how you ever deal with it, because it's something that I think about in my own way all the time, but in terms of a religion, right? Let's, so you guys are both Christian, can I use that as, even though it's a way too broad term, mm -hmm. but sure. just for simplicity's yeah. sake here. Um, so part of being Christian, part of Christianity includes um the well and tell me if you're if this is you or not right but the bible is to what degree here let me just ask you this way as i fumble around <laughs> to what degree is you know what can i take it just count down so we can just cut a lot of that out sure sure yeah uh, and andy if you're if you're um do you, do you want like a break or get some water or anything probably like... soon but okay um, but I'm, well, yeah, I'm, I'm going to lose my train sure. here. So do you want to for sure? Yeah. Do you want to stop worrying so much and make a definitive statement from time to time? Yeah, actually, like you don't have to worry about. At least I'll speak for myself. You don't have to worry about offending me. Just say, you know, I. You can you can say whatever I, you want. I showed up to be offended. Right. <laughs> I'm curious what you guys have to say, and I think this is just an interesting topic, even from a non-religious perspective substituting in but um re regarding like the bible to what degree is that the uh the word of god it, like in your yeah. in your belief and because i know it, it it varies from from subset to subset to uh from denomination like to denomination. attending That's really what i want Attending church, like being part of religion. Uh, the Bible itself, the the book, the words in it, like to what degree is are those words in there as printed? Like, how divine are those words? Is it every freaking word came from God Himself, and you need to respect that to being being ten and one being. So I'm doing this backwards, and and one being like it's may as well be like a substitute in Aesop's fables or something. Gotcha. Yeah. That makes sense. Uh, I, um, if you want to, if you so want to take it, I mean, I can take it after. Okay. Um, basically the short answer is, yeah, the Bible is our standard. And so we'll, we'll try to take, you know, you know, some people look at the Bible and there's certain, you know, problematic spots of course, and, you know, we could either say, oh, that was cultural or, you know, that was a historical thing. So at least I try to do that as little as possible because, you know, there's sort of like it feels a little double standard. Like you can just kind of say, oh, that's cultural whenever you feel like you want to change it. So as much as I can, like unless there's a very clear reason to take something as like a cultural whatever um then i try to take that as the words of god there is uh in first timothy the word of god uh all scripture is god breathed and useful for teaching and instruction so and yes it was written by people and we kind of see something interesting that god has always worked through people throughout history except maybe in like the very beginning of time um and of course there's always miracles um, and there is something kind of like, 
pervasive about the Bible. People have definitely tried to burn it over the years and eradicate it and try to make revisions to it. Somehow it stuck around after however many thousands of years. So I don't know. We have to sort of believe that that God is working through people. And that's kind of like the basis almost of Christianity is that God works through people. God is living in people. So maybe every now and then a teensy bit of divinity might, might slip out. <laughs> so, but the short answer, yes, uh, the Bible would be the standard. So, so there's a, there's a, uh, statement. I don't know if this was in like a letter or something, but there's, there's a statement from a rabbi um, during sort of like the time when Christianity was outspreading in the world, but it was still very young. And what the rabbi said was that like, well, you know, don't worry about them too much because if it's something that's from man, it'll, it'll die off. It'll just go away. But if it's something that's from God, then it's here to stay and it's permanent. And I would say like, we're still in the church age. We're still seeing the word of god like moving around so i mean i think it's pretty permanent but i guess that's still to see mm-hmm. but um so like to what degree do i think that the the bible is the word of god um i'm going to be a little bit heretical from from julian's position here i think it was written by people i think it was divinely inspired and like there's beautiful structures that you can find throughout like there's this thousands and thousands of year plan that god puts into place and like he saves one person and through that genealogy like that jesus is born or he makes like this covenant and that covenant is fulfilled there's all these sorts of like prophecies that are prophesied and then like come true later but when you get down to, like, the nitty-gritty details, um, like, I think that man is fallible. I think that the Bible was written by fallible people. Like, insofar as it's divinely inspired, I think that they did a good job. But I think that there are... You can pick out things that are like just the flaws of the people involved with the writing. Sure, I mean there's there... even just internally there are direct contradictions at times uh the the gospels dir- directly contradict each other about various things not necessarily major points but um nonetheless I, you know there has I think I mean, we could go through those one at a time. The, I mean, I guess the cognitive. I guess I no, I'm not interested examples. in that. I just like the, there, but there's there's. So I, I think um, that would be a long episode. Yeah, that that's not that's way too much because uh, there's always another one. There's always another one um, okay. on both sides of that of that back and forth, and that teeter totter will go all night. And screw that. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, but I think what is I. So what I'm trying to sort of what I'm trying to reckon with is this the issue of like the cognitive dissonance of there are there are we all have <laughs> you guys said it first there are bad passages in the Bible there's some real fucked up shit 
Um, and what do you do with that? Because because if you're going to devote your 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 soul, if you're going to devote your eternity to the contents of this book, and yet there are these passages about when it's okay to when you should beat your slave versus when you should kill your slave, um, like that's gotta there's there's a reckoning to happen and and like what do you do and i think you both said i think something that nathan and i are both on board with like it was written by people i th- I don't think there's a lot of people out there who think that god himself grabbed a pen and some paper and jotted all this stuff down right back check back check back check and welcome back to Fact Check. Oh, my sweet summer child, Andy. According to Gallup, fewer than one in four Americans, 24%, now believe the Bible is, quote, the actual word of God and is to be taken literally word for word, end quote. Similar to the 26% who view it as a, quote, book of fables, legends, history, and moral precepts recorded by man, end quote. This is the first time in Gallup's four-decade trend that biblical literalism has not surpassed biblical skepticism. Meanwhile, about half of Americans, a proportion largely unchanged over the years, fall in the middle, saying the Bible is the inspired word of God, but that not all of it should be taken literally. Check out the doobly-doo for a graph that goes along with that statement. Anyway, let's get back to the show. Back check, back check, back check. Like, personally, I think there's a lot of value in that book. And I I totally get people, uh, I I think it makes sense if it's something that speaks to you for people to build their lives around the teachings inside the book. But you have to, like, stick your head pretty far in the sand to say it's perfect. Um, But but at the same time, like, I don't think it's just another Harry Potter. I don't think it's another Aesop's Fables. Right, think, and when I, I say that... when I say book, I'm not trying to be flippant about it. I, I, I I'm just I'm just saying if if those teachings as as a holy book, I I do not begrudge anyone using that as like the the basis for how they're going to live their life. I just think that you are doing yourself a disservice if you don't acknowledge the fact that like there is some some rough stuff in there that you have to work around to be able to follow that book uh, wholly. So, um, I think that that is actually, um, a big deal to a certain extent. Um, so, am I, if I'm monopolizing, if you guys want to jump in. No, I mean, I, I, stop me before I go down the rabbit hole. No, I wanted to hear, I wanted to, uh, this is what this episode is about. Okay. So... Um, all right. So Nathan is saying like that there's, there's, there's flaws to this book. So, well, not Nathan, everyone, we all agreed that there are some flaws in this book. There's some stuff that we don't really want, that we don't want to emphasize in, in our modern society. We're not down with some of that stuff, but there is still a lot of value there is still a lot of there there are still a ton of um morality stories the you know parables and and things that are great teaching tools uh that can get 
classrooms of children talking about morality. And I think that that's not to be downplayed. Um, however, I think that in acknowledging... I, I, what I, the, the, the tension that I'm trying to pull at a little bit here is between the actual divinity of the, of the book and the word of God and, and that that book is, is divinely inspired. And so therefore there's divine thumbs up to everything in it. Um, and, and putting some of that away and and specifically like just or just to pull out another example the evangelism aspect that's a big part of of christianity that's a big part of in the bible it's talked about i believe quite a bit i know that christianity is a pretty um uh evangelistic religion proselytizing religion um, yeah, we're we're supposed to go out and spread the word of god and we're that's not to spread the gospel that's pretty in common that's most religions because of course this is the most important <laughs> this is the answer to the most important question in the universe of course i need to spread the word right i mean it makes sense right i was so i was chuckling before because not not unitarianism we we <laughs> we have a tiny ass religion and we don't care right i mean i well we could do a whole episode on Unitarian Universalism because I'm not no, no, actually no. I, I'm not super convinced it completely qualifies as a religion. But you go to hell. It's it's <laughs> it's, it's, it's it's fine. I I, I don't uh, I don't I'm not here to to dump on it or any other religion specifically. But like, there's a definite tension there between. Um, Living in a pluralistic society as we do, where the expectation is you kind of, you live and let live, you don't go bother people, and your religious call to spread the word of God, the 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 thing that's going to save everyone's soul, which, like, and I say it that way not to make it sound silly, but to make it sound serious, like, I, I, I want to pay respect to how important that mission is to someone who believes in the, in a religion in that in that thing right like so if i can respond real quick so like my my impression of christianity as a whole is that it is a radical new offshoot of judaism so judaism was sort of like esoteric it's got this um, God's chosen people, and they're they're the ones that God is trying to act through. There are all these laws that they have to commit to in order to please God, and um, Jesus was he was Jewish, and he was basically like a radical rabbi. He was he was branching off and saying, "Well, no, God isn't just for." the jews and this particular um section of like ethno-religious group mm -hmm. um that it's actually for the gentiles it's for the samaritans god is for everyone god wants everyone to be saved and so the evangelism to me is like the whole thrust of why why is christianity different from judaism like there is this uh 
resurrection that everybody can be reborn into and that's not just for a particular race that's not just for um you know people living in a certain area that's for the, that's to go out into the whole world and actually since they're still the chosen people of god it's gone out into the gentiles to make the israelites jealous so that we can actually get them in the end i don't know if you have a response to that but so i guess i can at least clarify my position in that i definitely have um parts of the bible that i don't like uh but i don't think it's flawed okay so i guess i guess i would be I just want to make sure. Yeah, yeah, because we I, we had characterized you and me together, and I think that there's a difference there. Yeah. Can Can you explain? Can, yeah. Can you clarify what you mean by not flawed, please? Well, like, because I think there's a problem if if we can say, um, that there are certain parts that aren't that shouldn't have been written. Who's to say that about the whole thing, about any part that you want? So then basically you're just making up your own religion at that point. You're just saying whatever you want to do, and then you just do that thing. Um, so I, I, I do believe that it was written by people, and it is written by people. I mean, that's, that's historic. Um, I guess I also said earlier that God works through people. Um, so... There have been lots, there's also tons of books that were written around that time too, and that were maybe going to be included in the Bible. And then through many like uh, different councils, lots of church leadership, and lots of people tried to make their own like canons, right? Like collection of, of books. And um, somehow the collection that we have is is what made it through all of that so yeah i just think it's a pretty slippery slope right i i mean i agree with you but like i think that like that is that's the kind of thing that gives me pause i mean the council of nicaea it's specifically a bunch of guys who got together and were like well this we're gonna keep this part and throw this part out and keep this part and then even the bibles that we have to work with i like I, I've read cover to cover both New International and King James, and they're still pretty badly translated, even like next to each other. They, there's all kinds of problems in the translations of what we're reading. It's just like, even if the originals were, were written uh, divinely, we don't have the originals to go by. Like that's, that's not what the Bible is. And I think that's problematic. So we could spend... If you guys wanted to, we could spend like five to ten minutes on like Bible sure. history or like how the how the Bible was yeah, put together. Yeah, I think we're in it. <laughs> um, so this is like an a like a, an abridged sure. version, and right now I'll mostly talk about the New Testament because that's what I'm most okay. knowledgeable about. Um, but the so the New Testament was written in Greek. That was like the most universal language at that time. Um, you know, even though like during Jesus's time, they spoke Hebrew or Aramaic, um, but, you know, the Romans mm -hmm. were there. Um, so we have um, a lot of Greek manuscripts that we can go back. So there's tons of English translations 
you mentioned two of them, right? They're King King James Version, New International right. Version. There's New American Standard Version. There's English Standard <laughs> Version, Authorized Version. Right. You know, there's all of these. Um, and they're all English translations of the Greek manuscripts. Um, and so some of them will take like a word-for-word translation. So they like see a Greek word and then they try to find the almost exact Greek uh, English word or words that relate to that Greek word. And then, so that would be something like New American Standard, um, sort of the ESV. NIV is more of like a thought for thought. So they like take the whole Greek sentence, what is this sentence trying to say in Greek? And then they try to turn that into an English sentence. So you will find variations, and particularly in the Old Testament, Old Testament was written in Hebrew, it's a very, very poetic language. So that one is even harder to translate into English because you have like one Hebrew word that could mean like a whole phrase in English. So, um, and now we don't have the original Greek texts, but what we do have is over 5,700 copies of the original. So they keep finding cop, uh, Greek copies, Greek manuscripts, and they keep finding copies of the original stuff. And they can compare all 5,700 5, of those Greek manuscripts. And they basically all say the same thing. Mo- there's like definitely lots of spelling errors. Sure. Because they, they were written but by But that's hand. not a problem. Like I, um, I don't... <laughs> I don't have a problem with that. That's totally fine. Right. Yeah. And if there are discrepancies, well, um, I, I mean, think technically about 2% like, spelling wasn't a thing until dictionaries became a thing in like the 1700s. So mm. technically spelling was pretty much fair game. If you can get people to guess the word you you win. So anyway. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Another thing that that they didn't use was punctuation. So people also try to figure out where to put periods and commas and, and all those kinds of things. Um, so it, it's kind of like, uh, you know, finding a meme on the internet. Like it's hard to find who posted the original meme, but you have like thousands and thousands and thousands of <laughs> copies of that meme throughout the whole internet. Um, so that's kind of how it is with like the Greek manuscripts. We don't have the original, but we have thousands and thousands of copies, uh, from all parts of the world at that time, which was like Alexandria, Constantinople, uh, Rome. Then, then yeah, you're right. They had all the, the different councils. Council of Nicaea was Mm -hmm. one of them. Well, there were multiple Um, councils of Nicaea. There were. So, so yeah. some of the stuff that are... got excluded was like, I know Lilith, which was like um, made the same way that Adam was, as opposed to um, Eve, who was made right. like from a rib. Um, there's like the Gospel of Judas. <laughs> is wait, is the idea that Eve is like uh, Adam's second wife? Like it didn't work out with Lilith, so yeah to I move tell on you because I haven't I haven't read that whole thing. I Fair just enough. know that that's that's one of the stories that got. That got cut. Back check, back check, back check. And welcome back to Fact Check. Lilith is actually kind of a big deal. I don't know how to put this. 
but I'm kind of a big deal. She's referenced in several Mesopotamian myths, including the Epic of Gilgamesh, and may even appear in the ancient Greek and Arabian myths, in addition to the Hebrew Bible and in a number of places in so-called lost texts. The oldest is the alphabet of Ben Sirah, dated between the 8th and 10th centuries. It has generally been aggressively dismissed as satire, for obvious reasons. In a nutshell, Lilith was created from the same clay as Adam and believed, therefore, that she was equal, wouldn't submit to Adam, and flew away. Quote, Said the Holy One to Adam, If she agrees to come back, what is made is good. If not, she must permit 100 of her children to die every day. The angels left God and pursued Lilith, whom they overtook in the midst of the sea, in the mighty waters, wherein the Egyptians were destined to drown. They told her God's word, but she did not wish to return. The angels said, We shall drown you in the sea. This is just the tip of the iceberg to the Lilith story. But anyway, let's get back to the show. Back check, back check, back check. And then um, the Gospel of Judas is very interesting. So, like, <laughs> it's little more than a science fiction fanfic. Like, what, the Gospel of Judas? <laughs> yeah, it's... Well, I mean, it's important to the Gnostics. So the Gnostics were um, people who, like, believed in the, like, the spiritual um, person of Jesus was not betrayed by Judas, even though the man was. So the man was betrayed and, uh, you know, Judas got paid in, in pieces of silver for his betrayal and killed Jesus but in killing jesus that allowed jesus's spirit to complete what he was on earth in order to do um gnostics are considered to be heretics but it's still like kind of an interesting uh, to me though it's like the only reasonable interpretation of that sequence of events like i want to take this idea of um that the 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 bible <laughs> And I know that there's some disagreement on this point about it being imperfect um, or, or, or infallible or whatever. Um, but if there's... Um, I want to just take this idea one step further. If, there's, um, if there are these passages in the Bible, for whatever reason, some that you read and they resonate, some that very much don't resonate, that maybe kind of weirdly like they, they may feel almost out of place right the, some of the violent stuff and it just doesn't right it, you know that doesn't sit right with you so um that process of reading these different stories and different passages and 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 feeling that reaction to them oh this rings true this sounds this this resonates or this doesn't this sounds um, discordant, almost, uh, to use a musical term. I would argue that that process reveals that it's not uh, that the book itself doesn't have doesn't contain the like the path to morality. It is a medium for you to discover your own inherent morality. And I know that that may kind of just, well, that's, that's, 
that's what I want to say. <laughs> and that's all I have to say about that. So you're so the process of of working through problematic passages you're saying is like um that is essentially developing your own morality through that yeah sort of? yeah that um that you are finding out what the limits of like what you find to be morally appealing or morally repugnant to be so when you read this passage about um you know the the a uh, great example, one that everybody loves, the uh, the 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 um, let he without the without sin cast the first stone story, right? And oh, this is great. Okay, you know what? I like that because hey, listen, some people make mistakes, but so do I, and I shouldn't. I'm not here. It's not my place to to judge this other person and their moral shortcomings, plentiful though they may be, when I. I have plenty of my own over here, right? The glass houses sort of thing. And I think, so that's, I think as a young person, especially in those teenage to early 20 years, where you are starting to explore these concepts of living in a society and what's moral and what isn't, reading the Bible allows you to think about that and put put words on certain codes of ethics that you believe in that that you find really very important oh yeah i mean so it you we'd have to like probably talk about specific examples of like problem passages you know um to right. really like yeah i mean there are sometimes okay one example uh there's one part you know jesus is like love your neighbor as yourself there's another time when he says, I did not come to bring peace, but I came to bring the sword. And so that's one of Andy's favorite you... passages. Not really. I think he looks kind of awkward with the sword. It doesn't really fit his vibe. <laughs> so Turn, turns out the sword was just like a cake <laughs> that he had baked in the shape of a sword. <laughs> <laughs> so I think there's like a few levels, like I, I the first part would be looking at the whole passage. So, you know, in that particular passage, Jesus is talking about like taking a stand for what you believe. And then he's sort of realizing that that's not going to, he's explaining that's really not going to jive with every single person. And so he like came to find people that are committed to him committed to faith and not people who are just trying to just get along with everybody. And so he's sort of like anticipating that there are people that are not going to like that. So that's the con, the bigger context of when he says, I did not come to bring peace, but the sword, like I came to like call people who really want to follow me, who are willing to lay down everything. So in that particular context, he's not telling them to, be violent he's saying probably you're going to experience some violence and then he does say you know that you should turn the other cheek things all you know so he's like a promoter of peace um but yeah he would not be like a hippie you know love yeah <laughs> what, I'm, what i'm kind of getting at here is um 
that certainly we cannot just take the Bible as a uh, a perfect guide of what to do, right, and how to behave, because um, I mean we keep we've referenced a few times some of the rules that were laid out in the Bible regarding like slave ownership, and there's a whole bunch of stuff about how to how to have your run your farm. And, and Andy, um, the one I want to get into before we like move out of this passage, because uh, I know you're, <laughs> I know you you've been tasked to move us on to the next topic, um, but I want to talk about like something that the Bible didn't get wrong, but all of the followers <laughs> of the Bible seem to have gotten wrong for a long time. Um, <laughs> have, you, have you heard that phrase like, "Please Jesus, protect me from your followers." I like I feel like I've like I've followed that for like a big chunk of my life. Um I uh there's a a joke that I've always loved that uh the the there's only one true Christian that was Jesus and he was Jewish. <laughs> um but, wow. so in the Bible uh the uh New International King James referred to homosexuality as an abomination. But the thing is it's translated incredibly poorly from uh, a latin term which essentially means unclean and if you wanted to tell me that sodomy 2000 years ago was unclean i'm on board bud i have i have no problem believing that uh, uh in doing sodomy to one another was unclean then but i mean it also the bible also refers to um, deceit, murder, unclean foods, uh, seafood that lacks uh, fins and scales, uh, insects except for locusts, crickets, and grasshoppers, birds. Like, there, there are all these things that it refers to this way. And my beef here is not so much that, like, the, the Bible itself, I mean, certainly I have my problems with the translation, but that it's been wrong for hundreds of years. It's been used to persecute a huge group of people and it hasn't been fixed and that sucks mm -hmm. so that like when i so when well, i found out about that that was like oh i'm morally superior to all of these people when i found out about it when i was in like high school mini fact check Ooh, sorry nathan leviticus is a whole book on repressive behavior rules especially sexual ones it's true Leviticus 18.22 says, quote, You shall not sleep with a male as one sleeps with a female. It is an abomination. End quote. But if you keep reading, Leviticus 20.13 says, quote, If there is a man who sleeps with a male as those who sleep with a woman, both of them have committed a detestable act. They must be put to death. They have brought their own deaths upon themselves. End quote. That one is pretty clear. The Catholic Church thinks gay men are evil and dirty. But lesbians and all the other gays are apparently fine. Mini fact check. <laughs> and so there's like a cup. You mentioned like yes. a couple of specific things. And I can go back over whatever you want. <laughs> uh, right. Like homosexuality, abominations, uh, unclean foods. Um, Exactly. Yeah, we can and delve like, into I think, any of those. Uh, pork was the same way, and uh, certain kinds of insects and things like that. And my thing is, 
I actually, like, I'm giving the Bible credit. Like, I think it totally makes sense to, like, take that, like, inherently sort of dirty act that they didn't have the proper precautions for and work it into all these other things that could probably disease you. What it doesn't make sense to is to, like, go after an entire group of people and stay after them for hundreds of years because of a translation error. Well, that one, I actually don't know what scripture you're talking about. Uh, it would have been in Leviticus. I can uh, certainly do a uh, fact okay. check specifically. Um, Le- Leviticus uh, 11, 20 through 23, and it looks like eleven forty one. Oh, wait, no, sorry. That's, specific- that's specifically well, so, about the books. Um, one thing... One thing, one thing that I do want to throw into the fray here is that um, all of the uh, the law that was like you know the Ten Commandments and the Talmud and well the Talmud came came later but um, all of the the laws that are like prescribing people how to act don't eat this don't eat that um, you know all of that stuff was replaced in the New Testament by faith in jesus like the only way that you can be presented clean before god is by being saved by jesus you have to call out his name and ask for him to save you um so in a certain sense like those laws um there's also there's even a passage about like you can continue to keep the the dietary restrictions if you want what you're not allowed to do is to tell someone else Hey, you can't keep these dietary restrictions anymore. But but anyway, so the the whole thing is like these laws don't apply anymore since now salvation comes through Jesus. No one gets to the Father except through me, and that's Jesus. All right, so this is like a whole other issue then, right? Because Okay. Uh, <laughs> all right. It's just F, real quick, just FYI, Leviticus 18.22. Um, so you're referring to there's a passage uh, or there's a there's a thing Jesus says at like the Last Supper, I think, that uh, that like the covenant, the old covenant is broken and you have this new covenant now and mm-hmm. worship me now, which is creepy. But um, also, uh, so like, <laughs> are we... Are we throwing out the Old Testament? Or testament? No. Testament. Are we not throwing? Or do we do we still keep it? Or are we just gonna cherry pick at will? Because no, the, it's really it's frustrating. That the, it's that the laws don't get you into heaven. You can still keep them if you want. Just like for a hobby. Yeah. Yeah, it's a hobby. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I mean. <laughs> Fact check, fact check, fact check. And welcome back to Fact Check. So, did Jesus abolish the old laws? The debate over whether the Old Testament still applies mostly centers around Matthew 5.17, where Jesus says, Do not presume that I came to abolish the law or the prophets. I did not come to abolish, but to fulfill. There are many, many schools of thought on this. Apparently, few Christians fully agree. But most of them will at least agree that some of the laws still apply, the so-called moral laws, while others were fulfilled and therefore nullified, the ones pertaining to Jesus and the ones tied to Israel pretty specifically. 
Later in Matthew 5, Jesus calls out a few of the Ten Commandments and amends them. So in a nutshell, there is no consensus even among Christians about the details. But some laws are over and some are not. Another thing there's no consensus on among Christians is salvation. How it works, who's eligible, if it requires good deeds or just to beg forgiveness. Of Jesus, by the way, not the person you wronged. Is there a limit on how many people will be saved? And so on. In fact, the issue of salvation is one of the most important and common issues of division between Christian sects. Anyway, let's get back to the show. Back check, back check, back check. I don't know. Did did you did you have a did you have a, anything to add? To yeah, you? that I mean, yeah, all, all of these topics are big discussions, like right, all in sure. themselves. Uh, so, yeah, Jesus, when he came, he posed problems to a lot of people, and you know we're talking about religion. He did not like the religious leaders of his time. He like was really against all the Pharisees and scribes and Sadducees. And um, yeah. And so he did things also that were like seemingly against the Torah. He would heal somebody on the Sabbath. And then they were like all upset about that. Um, they didn't care about the, the person being healed. They just cared that he was breaking the Sabbath. And there's like a couple times when he uh, is talking to the Pharisees and uh, yeah, so he talked, okay, specifically about the unclean food. So there's a part in Mark, uh, I want to say maybe Mark 7, um, and he is talking to them about what defiles a person. And so obviously he's speaking against like eating all of these clean foods and, um, okay. Mark seven, 19 or 18 and 19. The, so Jesus said to them, are you so lacking in understanding? Also, do you not understand that whatever goes into the man from outside cannot defile him because it does not go into his heart, but into his stomach and is eliminated. You poop it out. <laughs> so... <laughs> <laughs> that which proceeds out of the man that is what defiles the man and then in mark he says thus he declared all foods clean but then you have another part where he says like i did not come to abolish the scriptures but i came to fulfill them so you sort of see that like the whole time there are all these rules and the whole time they were trying to achieve something which the Jewish people were not able to achieve. And that is like essentially perfection like the father. God was like trying to create a people like himself. And eventually just following all these rules, it just didn't really work out because people are <clears throat> terrible and can't, can't, can't follow <laughs> rules. That's and unfair. So... That's why Jesus had to like come. Any examples in all of human history to go against that statement? <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Well, so we, we are dwindling down on time. Um, one of the big things that I still wanted to cover was um, there was a question that 
uh, Andy had asked in, in like a preparation document that was, um, if there are all these religions <laughs> and they basically are all exclusive, all of the religions say like, have no other gods before me. There are exceptions to that, you know, there's like paganism and stuff, which will just like adapt new gods to it. But how do you know that the particular religion that you're on is like the right one? How do you know that you've made the right choice? Right. Like I think about like, um, Pat, you, are you, um, are you Hindu? No. So, so you would say that you're atheist with respect to Hinduism. Yeah, this is this is something that comes up in the Bible a lot. It's like uh have no other gods before me. It's like very exclusive to just worship the the Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost. Don't worship other things. Don't worship idols. You know. <laughs> what about American How dare idols? you? Now I'm going to worship all the idols. <laughs> no. That's haram. <laughs> so anyway, um <laughs> So yeah, I mean, I mean, I can I can respond to my own question. Uh, I'm also interested to hear what what Julian has to say. But um, so uh, why do I think that Christianity is the right one? Well, I mean, I went through a a period of looking. I went through a period of searching, and I didn't so much find God as God found me. Um, I actually went and visited a Pentecostal church in a period of my life when I really felt lacking, like there was something missing in my life. And I went and visited this Pentecostal church because, um, this girl that I was, you know, I knew through college, she was like a roommate of one of my friends. Um, she wore like the, the down to your ankles, dresses and was like you know very serious about all the tenets of uh pentecostal so i went and visited this pentecostal church i actually visited twice um and they do like talking in tongues they'll uh like there's uh sections of the service where people will speak essentially gibberish I pray in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Oh, yes. Strengthen him. Strengthen this Christian fellow in the name of Jesus. Um, but it's it's talking in tongues, and it's it's something that is supported by passages in the Bible. And um, I was like, this deep connection that people have to their religion I want that. I want what that is. That's what I'm missing. And it didn't wind up being exactly Pentecostal. Um, but I I wanted that deep connection. And so I continued looking after that. Um, I eventually found it in the Bible. I found it in fellowship with other believers. I still feel it. Back check. Back check. Back check. And welcome back to Fact Check. Yes, Pat, your religion did choose you, but in more ways than you meant. The rate at which children stay with the same religion as their parents is in the 80% range for most religious faiths, except Catholicism, which is really struggling with retention for reasons. And the kicker is 
that parental influence is actually more tied to words than deeds. So even if Pappy is a lion, cheating, stealing, rootin', tootin', son of a gun, if he talks about being Christian or whatever, his offspring are probably going to grow up to be that religion, believing it to be a morally superior faith. Furthermore, the country you grew up in and your socioeconomic status have a strong influence over how religious you are. Richer, more educated countries tend to be less religious. Pat, you can turn to the doobly-doo for more information, but not for salvation. Anyway, let's get back to the show. Back check, back check, back check. I think that's great. I mean, I I think that's wonderful that you um, found that. But I don't, yeah, I don't know what, um, Julian, do you have, do you have any uh, response to why Christianity over anything else? Uh, I guess I'm, I would be similar. Um you know, I guess the both of us had sort of similar stories in that we were both searching for something mm-hmm. real, uh, searching for something with substance. And, um, you know, a lot of religions, like like already has been mentioned, are pretty exclusive. And so if you find one, it basically says there's no other mm-hmm. gods, you know, but this one religion, which is not untrue of Christianity as well. Um, but you might be weird if you join and, all of them. Uh, right. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, hey, you can always become a Unitarian. That'd be fine. Right. <laughs> we'll take it. Um, so for me, it was, again, not real. I like I've talked about how I'm not a huge fan of religion. I don't think religion makes sense if you don't have a relationship with the God that you're supposedly serving um and so i was looking for something real as well and the bible teaches that there's like three parts to man humans there's your body which is pretty self-explanatory and then your soul which you know the greek word that is used for that is suke so like your psyche so like uh you know, your thoughts and your emotions and maybe your conscience is a part of that. And then the other part is your spirit. And so when I have faith, I don't have blind faith. I have like a spiritual, like I can talk to God. I have like a spiritual, uh, a personal relationship with God that I can talk and I get something back and I, I hear something. Um, and that's all sort of in that spiritual realm. So I, you know, I don't base my faith on like scientific evidence. You know, people used to think the earth was flat and people used to think that, you know, the whole solar system revolved around the earth instead of the sun, you know, things like that. And um, so, yeah, I, I would be looking for something real. You know, I, you can fact check me this would be one of those things where I'll just say, I'll say a statement and then you can fact check me later. Um, as far as I know, all of the other religions are people trying to make their way to God or like trying to get to his level. And then that's kind of actually how like the old Testament Israelites were, they were trying to get to God's level 
But Christianity is God coming down to our level. And so kind of like the experience that both Pat and I have had, it was like God came to us and we were able to experience the Lord. Back check, back check, back check. And welcome back to Fact Check. What Julian is talking about is essentially whether a religion asks people to improve themselves to be more godlike or whether the deity makes themselves more human-like, for example, Jesus on the cross, or Zeus becoming a human to rape young women, in order to make belief in the deity enough for salvation. Academics refer to these as orthodoxic religions and orthopraxic religions. We asked our on-call linguist and friend of the pod, David, for a quick explanation of these terms. Orthodoxy versus orthopraxy. Etymologically speaking, ortho means correct or true. Praxis means practice, and doxis means opinion, belief. So orthodoxy is the correct belief, believing the right things. This is what you should believe. And orthopraxy is, this is what you should do. The claim that I think that I'm supposed to be fact-checking is that some religions are really one or the other. When that's that's not the case much, it's, it's very gray. Um, I would say certain sects are one or the other, but I wouldn't say that that's true for religions. Also, it gets weird because the whole usage of the... Long story short, it seems most religions are a mixed bag of practice and belief, and most have bountiful examples of both humans trying to be more godlike and gods and goddesses becoming more human-like. Anyway, let's get back to the show. Back chat, back chat, back chat. So the reason why I think Christianity is real or is the only one is because for me it's real. Um, and I would also say like, you know, there's usually pushback too when you say Jesus is the only way to get to heaven. And I guess my response to that is like Jesus, who was God, came in the form of man, died, was resurrected he like allowed he took the price of sin so that in god's eyes we would be perfect so he's the one that took that sacrifice so if i think i was talking to pat earlier like if my dad bought me a ticket to hawaii and it was like hey come over and get your ticket i wouldn't like go to my next door neighbor and be like where's my ticket to hawaii cuz my dad bought the ticket in the same way like jesus bought the ticket he bought the ticket to heaven, so why would I go to somebody else hmm. to find but, the way to heaven? So, and not to you know push. Uh, well, I am going to push on that a little bit because because that that's uh, sure. internally cyclical, right? That's assuming that it is true. It begs the question. So, <laughs> um, like, it, it's true because the Bible's true because the Bible says right. Why so, is the Bible the true? Bible's well, because the Bible the, says it's true. Well, how, you yeah. know what I mean. Like it just keeps cycling around. Um, to 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 me, it's more it's more personal. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there's that personal mm-hmm. relationship. And, and uh, yeah, I mean, again, not not trying to like tear down anyone's religion. I just, uh, but but. Um, so we've defeated religion today. We've no, won. Uh, 
I mean, I think we've we've been talking, and this has been a fantastic conversation, and I have very much enjoyed it. Um, and I, I think that we're probably going to need to bring it in for a landing, but I, I, I think that there's a lot more to talk about. So um, I think this is something sure, we're going to yeah. have to revisit in much, much, much mm-hmm. more detail yeah. down the road. Yeah, if you're if you're willing to put up with us again, Julian, yeah, no, we'd love this to is have great. You back yeah, well, I I want to say thank you so much for, awesome. for I, being with us today, Julian. Yeah, thank you, thank you. Yeah, yeah, I enjoyed it. Yeah, and and there's one other point that I wanted to make before we we close up is, uh, have you guys ever heard of the religion Precious mm, Moments? Yes. Precious Moments. Um, I got one. I'm going to um, leave you with a, um, so it's a concept and there's a quote that goes with it. So this is something, um, it's, it's topical for today. Uh, it's, it's something put forward by uh, C.S. Lewis, who, um, as I assume probably everyone knows, um, Lion, Witch, in the Wardrobe, screw tape Letters, a number of books. Sure, yeah. Lion, Witch, in the Wardrobe is his most famous like novel, but also he's he's also very very famous as a Christian apologist, um, and I mean that in like and I could like that was he he worked very hard to like sort of a Thomas Aquinas sort of situation there. So anyway, um, so he had this. Thing called, it was uh, Lewis's Trilemma. Um, and here's the quote. I am trying here to prevent anyone saying the really foolish thing that people often say about him. I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept his claim to be God. That is the one thing we must not say. A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on the level with the man who says he is a poached egg, or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the son of God, or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool, you can spit at him and kill him as a demon, or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us. He did not intend to. Now, it seems to me obvious that he was neither a lunatic nor a fiend, and consequently, however strange or terrifying or unlikely it may seem, I have to accept the view that he was and is God. So that's C.S. Lewis, um, and and this, this concept uh, is, I think, just fascinating. It's something I've been thinking about a lot in... Uh, in getting ready for this episode. Nice. I very much enjoyed uh, Screwtape Letters. It was a very formative book for me. It's about um, this demon uh, sending letters to his uncle and their correspondence back and forth. Uh, his uncle, who's also a demon, about how to corrupt a soul. And if you deconstruct the book, it shows you in reverse how a person gets saved. Because it shows you how a person gets corrupted <laughs> it's a really good read it's a very short read um, that's pretty fun it's a good book well we'll put a and, and we'll put Pat, a link if you're uh, interested in because 
I mean, uh, he's a great, deep very talented writer. Um, maybe check out his, his book, Mere Christianity. Um, it is mm-hmm. uh, a lot of his, uh, some stuff that he talked about, um, some of these concepts and stuff, his exploration of Christianity. I should. Uh, to my shame, that's been on my list for a long time. Hmm. I, I have not read it, but I should. Well, maybe this will push you over. Maybe I'll read it. Shoot, it sounds yeah. it sounds really interesting. You know, one thing, one uh, precious moment, I guess, I have not experienced in a long time uh, would be the Bach Chacon. And that is about 15, pre- 15, minute, 15 precious minutes. Okay. <laughs> what, is, what is it? <laughs> okay, what so is it's that? So it's the... Uh, it's only violin. Um, you can, I can, I can spell it out. C h a c o n n e, chacon. Um, and it's, it's actually one movement of like a big partita number two in D minor, for the violin. Um, I don't know. It's just. Isn't this the one that's basically. like, um, like schools, like like Juilliard musicians consider it like the benchmark you have to be able to play that or you're nobody on the violin kind of thing i mean yeah bach is kind of a benchmark for like just about everything and this is one of like his hallmark we should have you on with jared to do an episode about bach that would be fun yeah (laughs) yeah another friend of the pod who uh is a very talented musician Well, that's awesome. I will. I will make sure to include a, a piece of the Bach Chacon. Uh, yeah, I in can the maybe episode. try to find a link. The whole thing is uh, in D yeah. minor, and then there's a moment when it switches to major, and it's just like heavens open. I know. I'm inspired now to go listen to it because I haven't listened to it in a long time. <laughs> um, well, I think for my precious moment, the the most precious that moment of go. all, we all want to like support well, friends. Well, I talked about screw tape letters. Go ahead. I thought he did. Oh no, no, Pat. If you wanted to do something else, I oh, I thought oh, that was. Um, I didn't really have hard. a lot prepared, but um, you guys, Small Buns is back. He he was on sabbatical for a long time. He was the one that was in uh, my political discord, and you guys said we, he was like a precious person, um, which he is. <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess some background info on Small Buns. He's he's probably like the most uh, what do you call it um, contrarian person that is on the political discord. Um, just like any position that you hold, he will argue against and like hold the opposite one. Um, he was on sabbatical for a while while, um, cause after Trump had lost the election, he said, I'm just going to be not interested in politics for about four years. I'll see you guys later. Um, but he's back, <laughs> um, <laughs> to argue with again. 
I do like arguing with people, so that would if you were if you wanted to come up with like a really good argument for like some position, you would just like you should just feed him mm-hmm. yeah, whatever the opposite it's of right. position is. <laughs> yeah, so that's my precious moment is is small that's, buns. Is that's great. Well, <laughs> welcome back, small buns. That's great. Um, so for for my precious moment to close it out, um, I think we all agree if someone accomplishes something, we should be happy for them and we should support them. And I just want to say I'm very happy and supportive because uh, there is a new study out that by 2026, our good friend Jeff Bezos is on track to become Yay, a trillionaire. That's pretty... Woo! I heard. Yeah, Jeff. I heard about that. Good, good for him. Cool. Yes. Uh friend Jeff friend friend of the pod Jeff can Bezos just, like buy uh, the rest of the earth. <laughs> I think I saw I I saw that announcement. I think it was tied to something like uh the global poverty could be fixed with 300 billion dollars yes. or something like. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like <laughs> He can he can already cover like more than half of it. So, uh, wow. But no, so a serious one. um, I just found out about uh, there's an annual uh, an annual walk called uh, Walk a Mile in Her Shoes. And it is a it's a um, fundraiser uh, for uh, victims of rape and sexual assault and uh, gender violence. And it's where men wear high heels and some uh, some wear dresses and things like that and they walk a mile uh while being sponsored by very like you know how as a kid you used to do a bullathon and you go up to your friends parent your friends parents and be like will you give me a penny per mm-hmm. pin or like they do stuff like that and basically i i believe it's only one mile but they walk a mile in these high heels and it's funny to watch them but also it's like a, a bunch of guys uh, raising money and like women can be involved too, but I I just think it's a a really nice thing and um I don't know a way of acknowledging that men have uh, the lion's share of responsibility. Sure. To no, yeah, deal um, with these issues. Walking in so. heels sounds really difficult, <laughs> so that's an accomplishment as well. You get you find your you find your stride pretty quickly. Yeah. <laughs> Well, in the video that I saw, they're all wearing, they're not messing around. They're all these, like, really high-heeled, mm-hmm. like, stilettos. bright red heels. They're, my, my, they my look great. Problem, the stilettos are, so, are trouble for me. I'm, I'm big and heavy, and, and I need a little bit of a wider heel. You know, mm-hmm. I can't, I, so, anyway. Well, mm-hmm. I think I think that's an episode. Thank you so yeah. much for coming on, Not that on, I Julian. regularly wear heels, for the audience's sake. <laughs> Uh, it's not a regular occurrence, just and not that there's anything wrong with that either. Not Andy, just you... to be clear, I'm not claiming to, I'm not posing as anything or whatever. I'm just saying that I have. <laughs> Look up in the sky! It's a bird! It's a plane! Oh, it's the virtue signal! I'm just saying that college was a lot of fun. Uh, and uh, and, high and school. also thank. Thank you, Nathan, for clicking your pen throughout your precious moment, because that's going to be great audio.
Mm. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, I would just like to say that uh, this has been a great app, and I really need to come up with a catchphrase. Oh, I hope that we gave you something to think about this week. Love you, bye. 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 subscribe to us on patreon you will be able to get special episodes about a month before they drop to the regular feed and you'll get to hear all of these regular episodes without the beeps over the swearing thank you so much for supporting the show also it gets weird because the whole usage of those terms in current practice is different than the etymology i just described for example Orthodox Judaism. Orthodox is supposed to mean correct belief, but Orthodox Judaism is really about doing a whole bunch of things. Kind of, mostly, but it it's also about the belief of doing those things, right? Um, for example, we get into the Talmud, which is the history of the practice of finding the correct belief. So is it about practice or is it about belief? In a lot of cases, doing the right thing is the belief that that is the right thing to do. So you can't really separate them. Um, you know, uh, yeah, we can look at a lot of um, modern Christianity as, um, you know, just believe in Christ as the Savior and then you don't have to do anything. There's that's That's pretty dominant view in in modern christianity but it's not a universal view in modern christianity not every sect um thinks that your actions don't matter um and you know if you look at the gospel for example that's all about jesus telling you what to do turn the other cheek love your neighbor give to the needy so he talks about practice and the early church was based around practice even if um many modern churches are not so it's all weird. And then the statement that I listened to that I'm fact-checking didn't even use the terms orthodoxy or orthopraxy. It talked about uh, how some, how older, older religions like Judaism were about getting to God, whereas modern uh, religion like Christianity is, is about God coming to you, which is not, uh, I would say that, that like, Interpreting old Judaism as getting to God isn't accurate. Um, it was about, like, the, the Jews in the Bible, like, the ones that we read about, like, they they were just trying to make their God win the war against other gods. That Like, if in the early part, like, in Genesis, like, they are explicit that there are more than one God, and they're just like, hey, but Yahweh is the best, right? He's the best God, and we're trying to make him win. And then, you know, it evolves, and over time, uh, he becomes the only God. And then, but, like, to talk about, like, the laws of, of Judaism, like, they were not written to get to God. They were written to create social order. Like, they didn't have legislation and Congress and, and stuff, like, religion was law so the same way today we're like hey uh 
lead in paint is bad and we write a law that says don't use lead based paint uh you know then they'd be like hey a bunch of people just died from eating shellfish so they would write a religious law that says don't eat shellfish um and that's that's not about getting to god that's about responding to social problems in the community and then we're this is uh, this is one other thing is that this whole discussion leaves out like eastern religion which is very different in its uh construction of what god even is i, I mean if if i if i for example had choose what i think is the most orthodoxic religion in the etymological sense it would be buddhism buddhism is about nothing except here's how to get to nirvana um here's how to achieve you know oneness with the universe and that's a relatively newer religion in the history of religions um that we don't just call modern cults so it's all weird and uh i don't i don't agree with the divide that is being presented um i don't think that that's a factual divide i think that it's very complicated and very messy and uh most religions fall more to the middle than than on this way or that way um but yeah, I I guess if I went with the etymology, uh Buddhism is probably closer to the orthodox side and uh Christianity's really just a mixed bag of everything. Um this has been David your linguist signing off.